0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October.
2: This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott
1: Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 254. The Yankees took three out of four from the Royals. It had to be done. We were all hoping for that sweep. But Scott, a wise man once told me, his name is John Sterling. He said, you know, you can't sweep doubleheaders.
2: No, that's true. You can't sweep doubleheaders, but you can't lose two to to the Kansas City Royals either. I thought everybody in uh, in the Twitterverse, on Facebook, on every social media was going to lose their ever-loving mind on uh, after the first game on Saturday. That was, it was bad. That was it very was like, ugly. It was like the entire world had ended, and the Yankees had. A, a, liter, a literal zero chance to do anything for the rest of the season. <laughs> and we were immediately going to go to football season. Like baseball season was done. That was it. The Red Sox won the World Series. And yep. that was what happened right. on what's, after uh, Severino.
1: What's up with Giants and Jets training camp after that, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and, then, and then the narrative shifts a little bit because look what happens. They go out and they, they do win the second game and a nice little comeback. And then they take three of four. So now we're looking back and they took three of four. Not the world, not the end of the world
1: right, but if uh but just isolate, we're gonna get into everything, but when you're the reason Yankees fans were hitting the panic button on Saturday afternoon is because there was Severino's fourth bad game in a row, and he just got pounded by the worst offense in baseball I yeah, mean no, that, it's, that it's is red, there's it's Red there's flags no uh, red flag city right there,
2: yeah, no, a thousand percent uh I'm concerned about Severino officially concerned I don't know what the concern is because. He seems healthy. He's he's able to to um, dial it up, uh, but it's just like he's he's missing. He's just he's in a, it's like he's in a slump. It, I mean that's that's I don't know how else to describe Pitchers it. Pitchers do like, go in slumps, just absolutely. like hitters can go in slumps. You, but. you can lose your mechanics, and I, I think that's what's happening. I think he's lost his mechanics, and I think that was pretty telling actually, when we saw um, he there was a, a runner on base and Larry Rothschild came out. I want to say it was like the the fourth inning, and it was a very you know. Uh, it, it was not a mound visit that you normally see. And you could just tell that there was visible, visible frustration because he let up a base hit, or it was a hard hit ball to right field, I think it was. And, um, and look, Rothschild identified that, saw that, and went out there and, and was talking to him about something. So I think he's getting frustrated. And you know, with that, possible mechanics uh, are, are failing him a little bit. So I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll get back into
1: it. But absolutely, it's concerning. It's alarming because for the first 20 starts of the season or whatever it was, he was unhittable. Right. He, he peaked and he had a sub-two ERA. That, that is the definition of unhittable. And then to have four really bad starts in a row, the last two coming against subpar offenses, I understand the concern. He's got to fix it. He's got to fix it because like we said last week, if Severino is not the ace that we saw for all of last season and then the first half of this season – doesn't matter what the rest of this rotation does that totally that makes things next to impossible for the Yankees to go deep in the playoffs.
2: No, there's no doubt. He's going to he's going to bounce back. He's going to be just fine.
1: <laughs> Is he taking the rosy glasses uh, approach on this one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I have
1: to. You have to for your own sanity. I think. It's the only way to go.
2: Unless you're going to just live yep. in a in a world yep, of yep. conspiracies and and misery then, you know, you got to you got to no. have the faith that he's going to come back come into my lair i I was gonna say i was gonna say unless (laughs) i want to live your life i have to do
1: this welcome to my (laughs) welcome to my dojo scott (laughs) um all right so we've got a couple of things just housekeeping notes before we get into all of it the august 18th event is coming up pretty quickly we're almost in the month of august now that is the 1998 celebration day that game is against the blue jays um that is a saturday afternoon game it's going to be a lot of fun because they're doing the whole reunion type of thing we were there for the 96 game and what they did was they they called out everybody who was on the team they, they were all in their positions um it was uh kay and sterling on the field right doing a nice little um nice little speech and a little montage to the whole, the whole yeah World they Series were the run.
2: ones they kind of the event and brought yeah. everybody out and it was you said this last time it's uh it's pretty appropriate minus the actual game it's a it's kind of another um timers day just so you yeah. can come out and celebrate the guys again so it's fun
1: yeah it's a lot of fun and um hopefully that the the Yankees will be just beating up on the Blue Jays so get those tickets as well as the September 15th tickets which uh, are also on sale now
2: yeah i'm um, again th- this one's going to be fun the 96 these are these are my teams like 96 through 98 like the the late 90s were my guys um, so uh, I'm looking forward to this again to see uh, all, the, all the guys back in and hopefully we can have another W for the, for the boys who are in town okay guys before we get into it I want to tell you a little bit more about our good friends at Tiki whether you're headed to the Yankees game or a concert this summer or you actually are anxiously awaiting football season and you're planning out your tickets Tiki has you covered Tiki is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event whether you're searching for last-minute deals Planning a night out you need to find that perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action at absolutely great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever, By multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. I do have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it constantly whenever I'm looking for a ticket for a last-minute Yankee game. I do go to SeatGeek and buy my ticket. Me, best of all listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. So listeners of the Bronx Pinstripes show, just need to download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code show. Bronx today.
1: That's promo code Bronx for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Um, all right, so... Like we said, Yanks take three out of four from Kansas City. We were hoping for the sweep. Maybe if it wasn't an actual doubleheader. I, I understand the cliche goes. I was saying it sarcastically. I understand. It's hard to sweep doubleheaders, even against a team that came into Yankee Stadium sporting the worst offense and the worst pitching staff.
2: You know, it's funny because Michael K. tried to debunk that myth, by the way, and kind of did a good job. It's uh, The stats actually show that it's not that difficult <laughs> to sweep a doubleheader. I think well, we all think in our like head. Trash. <laughs> It was it was pretty close to five hundred. It was uh like you know, fifty percent of the time it's that is swept. Fifty percent of the time it's not swept. I don't remember. Well the, the
1: Yankees exact number, have split so. every doubleheader this year and they've played them all against bad teams. Baltimore, Kansas City, uh there was a doubleheader in Detroit. Like those yeah. are all lousy teams going nowhere. They're all bottom feeders.
2: Oh, so this this stat carries uh, from what I remember, again, this is just me thinking about it right now. I could be wrong. But it uh it was it was, a you know, there's a larger period of time. It wasn't obviously this year. And what we uh, what have you done for me lately? And they've been splitting a lot of doubleheaders to bad teams. So it feels like that. And this year it has been difficult for them. So it's uh, it's it rings true for sure in
1: 2018. Uh, and when you look back, it's like. The, what what we've seen since the All-Star break, it just seems like they're struggling in a lot of different facets of the game that were, were something you could count on in the first half. Yes, we knew that the rotation after Severino was in trouble, but at least every fifth day you could count on Severino. Well, recently, we haven't been able to count on Severino. And then the offense, yeah, they do struggle with runners in scoring position, but they're still going to pound a lot of home runs and just wear, wear pitchers down. But they haven't been hitting a ton of home runs since the All-Star break. And they're leaving so many freaking guys on base. They cannot get the big hit. I saw this stat uh, thrown around on Twitter. Last 13 plate appearances for the Yankees with the bases loaded. They don't have a hit. They have a couple RBI ground outs, a couple sack flies. We know they lead the league in sack flies. The the, the uh, mystical sack fly, the underrated sack fly. We all love a good sack fly. But how about a bases clearing double every now and again?
2: It's no i mean it's true with a with a lineup like this not only do you do you want that to happen but you pretty much expect it to happen you know more times than um than than obviously what's happening with the the last thirteen plate appearances when you're seeing that without um a hit that that's that's absolutely a concern i mean you gotta you gotta clean that up you gotta make sure that guys are coming out and uh and, and you know hitting the hitting the ball a little bit better and getting some better at bats um they are driving in the run still, so, and, and the thing is is that you know, they're not blowing teams out. They're not putting teams away, but they're still scoring runs. I mean, they're down. Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, two of the the biggest bats going into the lineup that they were expecting. Aaron Judge has been that guy. Gary Sanchez, not as much. But I mean, they're down a lot of firepower right now. And from just having those guys on not on the field and not in the lineup, takes away from the other uh, big guys too, theoretically from, from Stanton and bird, because you know, the protection's not as there, but we are starting to see bird. I mean, we we've seen bird ever since, uh, what, like the last couple of weeks before the all-star break really starts to turn it up. He's hitting the ball a lot better. Um, and then our boy, Neil Walker, don't call me Chris Carter ever again, get your word out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> he must've listened is, to that show and just yeah. got pissed off.
2: I mean, he's, I mean, he's hitting the ball. He's the guy that we all thought you know we were getting when he's coming over so um and and maybe that's because he's getting a lot more played appearances uh, more consistent played appearances because he's playing kind of all over the place and and he's been a very very big part of what this team has you know done recently as far as the games that they've won so um got to give a got to give credit to neil walker for turning this around and, and starting to hit the ball so uh, he's an asset when he's when he's the neil walker we thought he is. uh that guy can hit and, and it, he's an asset
1: and a tremendously useful bench player to yeah. be able to play three infield positions and hit from both sides of the plate. Yeah, nine thirty-three OPS in his last sixty plate appearances.
2: Right. So yeah, we're going to completely destroy you if you're just if you're on this team not doing a damn thing. But when you start living up to your expectations, again, expectations are a funny thing. If you have them in your head and this and and, and someone's not meeting them, then it looks twenty times worse. So if you walk in with zero expectations and they're like mediocre, you're like eh. But now he's starting to live up to that guy. I mean, like, I, I always had him in my head. I don't know what his his lifetime stats are, but I always had, always had him in my head as like a two seventy two eighty hitter. Like, that's the guy I thought we were getting. A lot of contact, you know, maybe some doubles, a, a home run here and there. But a guy that, that can uh, put together a good at bat and, and will we'll make good contact. And, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: You touched on it with the Judge and Sanchez injuries. The beauty of this lineup in the first half when they were r- rattling off all those wins is, is that one through nine? They were dangerous, and now you look at over the weekend, and those especially in those double headers. We have a mailbag question, which we'll talk about specifically Boone's decisions to play and sit players. But game one of that double header had six, seven, eight, nine, Romine, Tyler Wade, Neil Walker, um, uh, Sugar Shane Robinson. It's who like went deep. I know, but that is a far, far cry from earlier in the season where we had guys like. Hicks and and Duhar and glaber Torres all batting down there. I mean, that's some serious firepower at the bottom. Now, the pitcher gets through the first five, six guys in the order, he can kind of take a little bit of a mental breather. It it it's even when the guys aren't all hitting. If the if the pitcher is always having to grind through at bats, that is how this team is gonna wear um wear the pitchers down. I remember we had we talked about this earlier in the season that the Yankees do their most damage in the fifth inning because that's when the starting pitcher is just totally drained out of, uh, of mentally and physically, and then those that one through nine Yankees order can just start going to work, and they're not doing that right now.
2: Right. I mean that's what happens. the The, the, the nice thing though is when you look up and down. Like you're, you still see damage everywhere. I mean, maybe not the last two guys. If you're looking at the starting, uh, the starting team right now, you're you're missing uh, a couple. Well, with Neil Walker hitting too, you you could still fill out a pretty damn good lineup card. I mean, you're you. Judges, oh, it should be it should be plenty. But oh yeah, it should be absolutely plenty. Uh, Romine and and Sanchez is probably the biggest difference. Sanchez, you know, hitting like we thought he would hit. Uh, if you're looking, can at we also just hold on one second? We one. got
1: to also talk about Sanchez too. I mean, yes, he's hitting under 200. That is an eyesore. But as bad a season as he was having, he was still leading catchers in the first half for home runs and RBIs. Yeah, I, I know. But the last like three to four weeks of him, he was awful. It, it, he it was a black it hole. It wasn't there. Yeah, but I, mean, I think people a lot need- of that damage was done before that. But I think, but I think people. There needs to be an expectation set with catchers and how far and away Sanchez is above every other catcher offensively in baseball. And the Royals have a really good catcher in Sal Perez and a really good offensive catcher. He murdered them all weekend. But there's like two or three guys in baseball who can provide that kind of damage from the catcher spot. That's what makes Gary Sanchez like two thirty (laughs) also. So. Okay, well, he hit like five hundred this weekend.
2: I know, but my point is, is that like that's one of the guys you reference as as a, as one of the better hitting catchers, and that guy's hitting two thirty. So right, but so when are, Gary Sanchez,
1: when Gary Sanchez is hitting like Gary Sanchez, it's it's an unbelievable advantage over over. 29 other teams in baseball
2: look man gary sanchez put those unrealistic expectations in every one of our head when he came out and oh, this was is not on unrealistic fire. no no he's no, no. A, when, he, when he was on fire when he was on fire for that second half that he came up and he was like tying babe ruth records and shit like that guy everybody's like oh my god this guy is a catcher still... he's the second coming he can do these things so now everybody just expects him to do it at all times i still think he's a good hitter i think he's in a bad place right now as far as you know, uh, mental approach at the plate and mechanics. I just think he's in a, in a bad place and slumping. I, I, I still have confidence in Gary uh, Gary Sanchez as a hitter.
1: Not I mean, take away the catcher spot. Like, I think he's a good hitter, period. He is. But you say unreal expectations. Last season, he hit 33 home runs and 20 doubles, and he missed the month of April. So yeah. if he just has an average month of April, we're talking about, like, 38 home runs out of the catcher.
2: Didn't he hit 20 in, like, 20 days?
1: He did, but... <laughs> 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 That's but what he, I'm talking about. I'm you know, not but like but he um he did back up his rookie season last year.
2: Yeah, no, I'm not saying he didn't. It, it, there's a clear difference between what happened last year and what happened this year. I mean there's there's something going on, whether it's in his head or mechanically, and that he's just not able to figure out. Or or maybe he, he really is, has been
1: hurt for a while. But oh, either are way we, are we going down another Gary Sanchez rabbit hole? I'm trying
2: not to actually. <laughs> I'm really we got some feedback
1: to. on that and people love the rabbit hole discussion.
2: My God.
1: I think you and I could do a fifteen hour podcast on gary sanchez and and that whole hustle gate
2: it's it's just uh it's one of those fascinating topics to me when you're looking at a guy like that with that much talent that just can't put it together for periods of time. It's just so strange
1: all right well, so professional segue right here Severino all that talent has not been able to put it together for four straight starts. Listen to these ugly ass stats the last four games nineteen in a third innings pitch, nineteen earned runs, seven home runs allowed
2: mm. Yeah, the seven home runs allowed is, is is one of the big numbers that I'm circling because, you know, that just means he's making bad mistakes and leaving the ball over the plate and and guys are pounding it and they're 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 like ready to make solid contact and hit home runs so. There's something going on here, and I don't know if it goes back to, we really haven't heard much about this since the, uh, what was it, the Boston game where, where they said that he was yeah. possibly tipping his pitches. And yeah. then we, we kind of saw him, um, was the first of the four starts at, at uh, Cleveland? When we yeah, saw no, him Toronto. It was, so, so that the was first, the second?
1: So Toronto, he pitched okay. He pitched five innings. I think he gave up three or the four The Cleveland runs. game was the second one, right? Cleveland, he gave up more hard hit balls in that Cleveland game yeah. than he'd given up all season.
2: So you know, maybe there's something going on. Maybe there is a something something happening with his mechanics. But where he's shouldn't tipping they? I mean, off. they should absolutely you, identify it if that were the case.
1: If if he was tipping pitches, and I know Kay and, and Cohen were talking about this uh, in the second game last night, uh, but if he's tipping pitches, that should take one start before somebody in that Yankees clubhouse, some nerd behind there watching game footage, should be able to figure that out, right? Well, I tell you, I remember when I, I, was, I talked
2: about this uh, at the top of the show was when Larry Rothschild came out. I think it was the fourth inning. It was the fourth or fifth inning when he came out. And it was a very strange mound visit. And you could tell he saw something. He saw either visible frustration, which he was visibly frustrated because the ball was getting uh, hit hard. And, uh, and he came out and said something. And it was a long visit. So the, the, the conversation that Larry Rothschild had at that moment, that's what I want. I want to know what that conversation was. Because obviously he saw something. And whether it was just to calm his guy down, be like, you know, you can work out of it. And he did. Um, and, and I love the mound visit because obviously, to me, I don't care the number of visits like during the regular season. Like, throw that out the window. If you see something, you go out there every time. Like, whatever. You go out there. Yeah, I mean, they unless, haven't unless run unless you're out of mound the, visits yet. Has anybody? Yeah, I haven't even really heard nope, much Kansas
1: about City it. had got down to zero last night.
2: Well, there you go. Kansas City. But so if you see something, <laughs> he, fe- he saw something and, and went out there and, uh, and identified it and, and brought it up that he didn't wait for the inning to end. He didn't wait for him to get in more trouble. He went out there and did it. So um, I don't know what it is. I Personally, I think it's just like, you know, a, a bad slump and he's losing his mechanics a little bit. I think that's one of the bigger things. And he's just not making the same pitches. The, the fastball command isn't what it was uh, in the first half.
1: And I think even worse than the fastball command has been the slider command yeah. because you throw a spinning slider in the middle of the plate. That's a BP fastball.
2: Right. And well, and I think, you know, when frustration starts kicking in and you're, you start losing your mechanics, like that's the pitch that's going to, that's the pitch that's, that's, that's going to be hit out of the ballpark because you're not going to execute it as well. And if you, do, if you don't execute a fastball as well, you'll probably miss the zone. You're still going to hit it, you know, 97 miles per hour. But if you don't execute on a slider, you're spinning that thing over the plate. And that's a problem.
1: How about this theory? I think you're going to like this one. So Luis Severino kind of started to struggle around the time Gary Sanchez went on the DL.
2: Oh, so you think it's a personal catcher situation? Hey, maybe he he, he loves
1: throwing to the starting catcher of the New York Yankees, Gary Sanchez. And people just assume that Sanchez cannot receive. He can't do anything right behind the plate, except Severino has been one of the best pitchers in baseball with him catching him. And also Sabathia has credited Sanchez for having a great working relationship with Sabathia. And he's given him credit for how well he's pitched over the last two seasons.
2: Yep, yep. Um, so what happened when, uh, when Gary Sanchez was walking after that ball and then uh, – Well, know, that, was you know, cross, stuff, that was a cross. Uh, uh, oh, okay. That so hap- I mean, was a cross. See, what and happened and stuff, was – What happened was – fighting the dugout. <laughs> 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 it looked like a great relationship that was happening right there. <laughs> I just I, – I, I truly think that he's just in a, a, a slump. I really do because you think, and I think that I think that his mechanics. Uh, I think it boils down to his mechanics and just not executing the pitches. Uh, that's could that could be
1: a little bit, bit of like midseason fatigue, maybe a little dead arm scenario or something like that. I, don't I know think the we're velocity. A dead arm, yeah. Well, the velocity was there the last two starts: 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. But what if the pitches don't have the same type of movement on it because he's not getting the same amount of swings? Well, that's and misses. that's mechanics. A and lot of foul ball, a lot of foul balls, a lot of deep counts where he was breezing through. Seven eight innings at a hundred pitches early in the season. Now you're seeing his pitch count at one oh five in the fifth inning. It's a total. This is a totally different. This is Nathan Avaldi on the mound. Okay, Nathan Avaldi just went.
2: Nathan Evaldi just went seven. I eight, said 82 circa two
1: thousand fifteen. The two thousand apparently the two thousand eighteen <laughs> Nathan Avaldi. He's like the monsters. He went and stole everyone's talent in the league.
2: Well, he was pretty damn good as last year with the Yankees too. Before he got hurt, if you recall. But the um, the the problem here. And another thing, when we're talking about general fatigue with pitchers, especially power pitchers, if you start getting fatigue in the lower half as well, you can start seeing a lot of mechanics yeah. uh, falling off. And I think that's what we're seeing. When you when, get I, when I see here. a 97 mile an hour fastball, and a 98 mile an hour fastball, and a 99 mile an hour fastball, I'm not seeing a dead arm. What I'm seeing is a guy that still has the live arm that's not executing his pitches is leaving is not hitting his spots is is leaving the ball over the plate more often and is uh, is just not executing the pitches to the to the point that he was before. So fatigue. Fatigue can, can happen all over. Fatigue, Arm fatigue could le- to, can lead to leg fatigue. You know, core fatigue can lead to bad mechanics. There's a number of things that can lead to these things. So the, I'm sure there there could be very... I mean, they, they rested him a much longer period of time. So, you know, maybe they knew something. Maybe they knew there was a bit of fatigue going on in his body. It, it absolutely could be the case. Uh, I just don't see like an arm issue at this point. So I, I do think it's mechanical. And whether that's his body saying, you know, I'm not able to... Um, duplicate the same motion every single time like he was before, and, and he's losing that muscle memory, that's a possibility.
1: Uh, his next start is going to be Thursday against Boston in Fenway, which is the first game of that four-game series. And, um, you know, I don't want to over-exaggerate or anything, but this might be the biggest start of his of this season so far for him because that's going to set the tone for the rest of the series. He, If Severino comes out there and gets crushed in five innings – it's going to be tough to recover from in that four-game series on the flip side if he goes out there and looks like Luis Severino in April, May, and June then the Yankees got to you know they've got a lot of momentum behind them and they could win that series yeah i'm looking forward to that start because i think it's one
2: not not only are we all you know holding our holding our breath to make sure he can come back but it it seems like a kind of a perfect scenario for him he he loves the big moment he's talked about that he wants to he wants the ball in the big moment and somebody who's like potentially thinking too much or, um, you know, has a, a slump in their mechanics or whatnot, to me, like a big game like this with all the adrenaline going on the road kind of gets rid of all that crap. And you just go out there and you compete at a high level. And so and I like that. I like that. So I
1: think Tampa it's a, it just could be a very ta- big bounce back. Yeah. 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 How are you Tampa, you supposed to get up? Who cares about Tampa? Right, Kansas, Royals. City, Kansas City. You want me to pitch against Kansas City? Yeah. How am I supposed this to get is, up for that one? You're talking about practice, bro. You're talking about practice. So that's
2: what I think. Like I think that's like it's a perfect scenario in this in this sense where, uh, you know, everything is at that point. Like you just got to lay it on the line, and there's going to be a ton of adrenaline going. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, we really hope that he's uh, that he's just in a slump and is back to Luis Severino, and it needs to happen fast.
1: I'm a little scared.
2: <laughs> right. A
1: little bit scared. Uh, Sabathia. He also couldn't get through the fifth inning. So. Doubleheader. Neither starter could get through the fifth inning. It's it's, it's it's a real problem, and it makes what Jay Happ went and pitched six innings today look like a miracle.
2: Yeah, no, it's not good when you're when your guys are are can't even get out of the fifth inning at all, and they're they're throwing up spots lines with a with a four in them. Not good stuff at all. CC um, CC definitely looked like he was uh, you know laboring a little bit. Uh, it just it's one of those you could tell that Boone said, we need to win this game. We got to win this game. And, and, and I think he, he kind of treated it like that to bring, and he brought Holder into, to get out of a spot.
1: I, I agree. I think that like, like getting swept at home to the Royals in a doubleheader made, uh, that almost made that second game a must win. I mean, you, it's really difficult to use must win in the regular season because the definition of a must win is if you lose, then your season's over. And obviously that wasn't the case, but, there are certain others, other games that fall into the man. It would really be shitty if we lose this game, and I think that's what Saturday night was. Another thing with uh, with Sabathia's
2: start that didn't really get much play, and I think it was a hundred percent intentional. Was in the first inning, there was a uh, there was a second and third situation, and uh, Lucas Duda, I believe, was the batter, and Sabathia plunked him on the inside, hit him in the ribs. It was like practically square in the. Right in the ribs, like the exact place you'd hit a guy, and I think it was intentional. I think it was intentional. I think it was uh, it was a, a way for him to say, uh, you know, nobody's hit anybody yet. Judges, uh, you guys have been hitting a bunch of our dudes. Judge just got hurt. I gotta hit you. CC's that guy that that I think in, in that situation, first inning, second and third. There's a base open. What's the problem? He doesn't care if the bases are loaded, and I think he uh, I think he drilled Duda on purpose.
1: Even though it's a lefty-lefty situation, where that's a good matchup for Sabathia, that's a good situation where he can get out of that inning with no damage. You really think he's going to load the bases?
2: A thousand percent. I think he's had no problems. I think uh, Sabathia is. I the, think with is the bases the... loaded, the bases the base was open, and he he saw their big first baseman standing there, probably one of the better hitters on their team at this point,
1: and he drilled them. Well, especially if they traded away Moustakas, their, yeah. their actual best hitter.
2: Yeah, yeah. Him and uh, I, I don't... don't know is Gordon on that list? I don't know.
1: I know Sabathia is the t- is the pitching staff leader. He's he's the dad of the clubhouse, so he can take that in his own hands and do that. But do we really want Sabathia and his eighty eight mile an hour fastball drilling guys, or do we want Severino and his ninety eight mile an hour fastball drilling guys?
2: Well, Severino didn't, so Sabathia had to do it. He that's the that's what I'm saying. It, it took that long, and nobody did it. And so and Sabathia's like, these guys haven't been hit yet. I have an opportunity. I have a base open. I'm going to get out of this inning. I'm going to drill this guy, and he did. He hit him right in the ribs. It was a, it was you know where he wanted. I love it. I love it, and a lot of people didn't think it was intentional. I a thousand percent think it was intentional. When that base, when that base was open, hundred percent, he's doing it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah it, and it would obviously be retaliation for the judge injury, which he's going to be out three weeks. So this is weird because they're saying it's a chip chip fracture on the right wrist. No surgery is needed. Yankees, you're not gonna you're not gonna say
2: the bone. Everybody wants to know. Kind of, well, everybody wants to know what, what the uh, what the bone's called.
1: It's the ulnar styloid bone. Wow, you did it much better than I was expecting. <laughs> I practiced. Uh, three weeks before he can swing a bat in a game situation. And I saw, I forget who tweeted it out, but I saw there was a quote. He might take dry swings before that.
2: Yeah, thats uh, you got to love the dry swings. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a game. It's not a, uh, not a wet swing. It's a dry swing. Dry swings are good. Not as much stress. You know, Um, so the initial report was uh, three weeks and that's when we thought he was going to start coming back. But then, um, you know, when Francesa was on, Susan sent him a text and said, hey, John, I just got to tell you, it's three weeks and you might be able to swing a bat in a game. And it was beautiful. Francesa dropped it live on air. It was from from the it was a beautiful assist from Susan to Mike.
1: I loved it. So that'd be great. If he's back in three weeks, spectacular because he has been one of the most consi- – we called him the first half MVP. So, so we need him back as soon as possible. But I'm concerned with the fact that wrist injury can really be a prolonged thing where Judge might not be the same guy after this for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think about Mark Teixeira and his wrist injury. He wasn't the same guy for another year because his power wasn't there. Even if the, the, the wrist is good enough to play in a game – it might not be good enough to be the same Aaron Judge.
2: I'm not concerned about that. I'm not. I can't compare two different bodies to even with a, and, and it's not even the same injury, right? It's a, it's an injury. First of all, Judge doesn't even. He says it, it, it's sore. It's like a, when they call it a fracture. It's like a chip fracture. It's like a, it's almost like a deep contusion that that they that they call a fracture. If they see anything, they can call it a fracture. But I don't know. From what ju- the way Judge was talking about it, it didn't really seem overly concerned. It seems like this is more of a. Um, you know, a, a precautionary, especially when, when I saw that he's going to be swinging a, uh, like a live bat in three weeks. Like, that's a short amount of time if you really did something horrible to your wrist. So I, I think this is more precautionary. Uh, there's no I way you, we could possibly compare Aaron Judge and his body in, in his mid-20s to Mark Teixeira when he was in his <laughs> mid-30s coming up and who is made of glass. Like
1: I'm it, not comparing them. I'm just saying wrist injuries are concerning.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, for... If that's if that's the comparison, then yes, we're all a broken we're all a broken people because we've seen what wrist injuries can do to to, to big first baseman uh, and big players who hit in the middle of the order on the Yankees. They're very yeah. different players, though.
1: Um, I, I agree with that, and I think it could have been a lot worse. I'm actually surprised they left him in to get that second at bat i know he was DHing that day but when i saw it in his reaction to after getting hit yeah he he was clearly in pain clearly frustrated he was flexing the hand trying to flex the wrist out um i i, I don't know why they left him in for that second at bat that that only seemed like uh, especially how how safe they always play it and how safe boone plays it I, i'm really surprised at that I am,
2: I am too, to a degree, but I think it, at some point they're, you know, they're just, they're, they're making sure with the, when they're, uh, the doctor's coming over and touching all over there, you know, and making sure that there's no point that's, that's making him, um, you know, in more pain. He, he, I think they just thought it was a bruise. And honestly, like, again, when we're looking at what the actual diagnosis was, a chip fracture on the right, and, and he's going to be back in three weeks, it seems like it's damn close to a bruise. It seems like a deep contusion and they're ca- and you know, maybe there was some hairline fracture or whatever, but, um. I, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned about this right now. If we start seeing him struggle when he comes back, then I think that's that's something that we could probably uh, look back and say maybe maybe it's uh the the fracture is deeper than we thought or, or whatnot. But from what they're saying and what the what the timetable says, I'm not overly concerned.
1: Well, the thing I'm concerned with is, uh, like I said, the the. F- the- judges uh wrist health for the rest of the year but also this team has been struggling to get momentum for a month. They make the the two big trade deadline acquisitions. They get Hap, they get Britain. That really helps their team in two different ways. And immediately they lose their guy Aaron Judge. So yeah. it's like you take two steps forward and then you take a gigantic step back all in one day. It's just tough. It's really tough what happened.
2: Yeah, and it's unfortunate too because it seems like every time they have a, a an injury like this Clint Frazier is down when it would yeah. be his moment to come up and play every day, pretty much, or or, or play a, a ton uh, during a given week with a with a guy like Aaron Judge out. You know, whether it's in, at the DH spot or in uh, in right field, uh, he, he can play right field. It's just really unfortunate because now he's back with the with the concussion symptoms. Um, you know, we talked uh, about that on, over the last episode. It's just bad timing for him. It seems like it, each time he's had that opportunity. He's, uh, he's not been available. So it's it's truly unfortunate for this team and for Clint.
1: The, the quote that Clint had about it, it, um, it really makes you sympathize with him because, I mean, this seems like a lost season for him, the way he's talking. And it's not like a wrist injury or a hamstring injury or anything like that where there's a set timetable, you rehab, you come back, it's fine. Head injuries, it's such an unknown. And I think that's what's bothering him the most is that how do you really know when your brain is healthy again?
2: Yeah, you don't because it, and and the thing is, they can come back as we're seeing. Like yeah. any any
1: slight jog,
2: and he said um, that it wasn't even a play back.
1: that he thought was like, oh, I I I just messed my my brain up again. He just dove for a ball. Well, that wasn't even the one. apparently
2: it was it, it had also reoccurred when he was um in the in the in uh, New York and on a play where he slid into third. I think I don't remember the exact play, um, but I was talking about it. Um, I was talking about it last week when we were talking uh, you know, with, with the Scranton Rail Riders. They were, it was basically saying that that's when it initially happened. And then on the jog, uh, when, when he dove for it, you know, he felt it even more. So yeah. I think he did feel it before that. It's just, it's just one of those things that can continue to come back. I mean, it's the same thing um, you know, with, our, with, with former Yankee Brandon Drury.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I also liked that, as if it even needed to be stated, Ellsbury is not an option.
2: No, nah, not an option. It's all fake news that he's. Do you to come
1: think, back. though, the Yankees are exploring options to add another outfield bat?
2: I don't think anybody major. If they are, I think it would be a depth move, but I don't think it's a. Somebody
1: better than Shane Robinson.
2: Yeah. I mean, Shane Robinson hit a home run yesterday. So that's. Somebody uh, better know, than Shane Robinson. Big time, big time, uh, Sugar Shane Robinson right there. Big, big, uh, big right hook. Um, I can't I don't think so. You know why? Because they just traded away a guy, two guys that that are, you know, those types of players that can come in and, and fill in well. Um, right. it's it's kind of crazy how that whole thing went down because when if hap- if that deal hadn't gone down before the judge injury and Drury and McKinney are still here, Billy McKinney might be the guy coming up. Yep. And I don't know if that Probably trade would. gets done.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it would have been I a think... different
2: player or maybe it could have been a bigger prospect. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think uh Drury would still be in the package, but I think Cashman would have tried to push somebody other than McKinney.
2: Right. Yeah, so it's uh it's very interesting because right in that move when you needed the depth, when you needed the depth in the AAA, uh the guy that you most likely would have brought up for a outfield for an outfield replacement is no longer on the team.
1: Well, I mean, think about spring training. What was our position that we'd never had to worry about? Outfield. Was, we had a outfield. thousand outfielders. Yeah. And in this season, we've seen so many guys go down. It happened in the first week of April, and it's happening again now. Where they're actually thin at outfield depth.
2: Yeah, so. it's crazy, and that and it's because of uh, you know if Frazier were healthy, then we probably wouldn't be talking about that as much.
1: No, definitely wouldn't. Um, so you mentioned the hap the hap trade that happened after we last recorded. Toronto gets Brandon Jury and Billy McKinney. I think this is an example of a trade that is really perfect for both sides. The Yankees get Hap, who is a stabilizer. Um, I said today, as I was watching him pitch, I was bored. And I say that in the best way possible. Nothing flashy, nothing overly dramatic. He just goes out there and gets people out and gives the Yankees something that they can count on. And something they haven't had all season. So good. He's not going to be an ace but, he, but he's going to go out there and give you a competitive game. That's good stuff. And then Toronto gets two guys they're going to plug in. And Drury, I think, we all think, is going to be a major league player. So I think good trade for both sides.
2: I mean, Drury's probably their, their potential, their long-term third baseman, once uh, Josh Donaldson. Well, they've
1: agency. Vlad Guerrero Jr.
2: Uh, that's true. The, so, I mean, Drury's going to have a spot on this team. There's no doubt about it. Um, and well, McKinney, they told him you're
1: playing every day for the rest of the season. We're going to well, move you around. You're going to get some infield spots. But you're in there every day.
2: And and McKinney is a guy who is damn near ready, and and who knows what he could do if with some regular playing time. It, you know, I, I, when it, when the when the trade first came over, um, when you're looking at all the pitchers that the Yankees were were uh, could have gotten, right? And we're we're, we're talking about all these for and and the list was completely underwhelming. Jhab is pro- J-Hab, J-Hab, what are the, Jay, I'm gonna Yeah, go, we got it. So can we, we mock him? Can we
1: still mock I him? I don't know. He's probably our best pitcher right now. So so here's the I thing. I feel like we
2: can't. I actually, you know what? I can't mock him. I, I forgot about something. I, I cannot mock him. Uh I'm actually, yeah, I have a. So he actually does some work. For a nonprofit that has to do with children's heart defects oh, that boy. I have a tie with, so um, I can't. You I definitely can't mock can him.
1: now. I now me by association, I feel yeah. guilty if I mock. I
2: him. know. I, I totally forgot about that. Uh, he actually like was a really nice guy. and Went and did, <laughs> did, did like a whole foundation thing in Chicago for this uh, for this organization that that we worked with closely in Boston. So there's a uh, there's a very close connection there. So and, uh, J
1: J yeah, yep. <laughs> <Mr>. Hap. Yeah, J
2: Hap. Yep, Mister Hap. This Mister J Hap. He look. So I mean, so when I, when we're looking at the the uh, pitchers that are completely, and I will not let this go into the way I think about him as a baseball player, I, just his first name. But the uh, the when we're looking at the the players, you know, we all knew it, it was underwhelming. It was just like, a, and it, every one of them, it seemed like had been struggling up until the uh, up until the trades when you know when Hamels went to Chicago and J Hap came here. But when you're looking at those guys and you see like their careers, he is that kind of guy. He's that he's that boring guy who goes out there, he's gonna throw you know six innings, and he's gonna keep you in the game. And it seems like he's he's done that his whole career. And, and in fact, he's been a Yankee killer in the past. Um and the fact that I think the that, that put him over the top for Jay Happ was the his record against the uh the Red Sox. I mean, clear as day, he's got a good record against the Red Sox. And I think that was enticing for Cashman.
1: it, it definitely was. And I think this was a perfect situation to get him a first start against Kansas City, one of the worst teams in baseball. It's a tune up for next weekend against yep. Boston, but you know, you know how fans react. Next weekend is going to be Hap versus Vivaldi. <laughs> like if Vivaldi goes out there and deals and Hap struggles at Fenway Park, brace yourself for a meltdown. I mean, I'm
2: not, I, I'm not totally surprised because I think Vivaldi's a pretty good pitcher, but the, the Hap signing, while in the beginning I was like, eh. That's a lot to give up. At the same time, I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're probably both expendable. damn ready to, to, to be in the major leagues and, and you know, do whatever they're going to do in their career. But yeah, they're, they're expendable at this point. And McKinney, uh, you know, where is he ever going to play? Besides now, because of all these injuries. <laughs> right, right Besides field, right field and Yankee Redfield Stadium. Field tomorrow. <laughs> but um, you know, when you look at the depth, and they're, they're, they're all blocked. And with Neil Walker yeah. hitting now, it makes Drury completely expendable.
1: Yeah, and as far as Jury's concerned at third base, I think uh, Andujar just wally pipped him. I mean, he came in, he he came in, and he took the job. He was Andujar has hit enough to where the Yankees could not take him out of the lineup. It would have been too much of a backlash, no matter what Brandon Jury was doing in the minors, no matter how many All Star games he was nominated to. You couldn't take Andujar out of the lineup when he's hitting thirty doubles. Leading rookies in doubles, tops yeah. in the leagues in doubles. Like, sorry, we got a guy who's producing.
2: No, I mean, and, and he's a you know he's a guy who's been in the organization forever, and he's uh, he's the guy that everybody wanted. I mean, everybody as a as a Yankee fan wanted Andujar to win that job. He didn't win the job out of out of spring. Drury, you know, obviously with the sight vision issues, um, Andujar took it, and, and and you know, good for him. I think that was. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing for the organization because I think he is a better player.
1: Uh, Drury on his way out said, obviously, this is not what I expected when I was traded to the Yankees. Because do you remember us talking about how excited Drury was to come to the Yankees? And he had all those quotes about how he always wanted to be a Yankee. And he was and he was so excited about this trade. And we were excited about the trade as well. And it's just so many things went wrong and then he also said i don't know if, if this was ironic or not he said i see the ball well at roger center
2: <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird it's just a, a a crazy amount of circumstances in one player for one season and, and what happened to him because yeah, I mean, it seemed like a great scenario for him. He was getting traded to the New York Yankees, basically to be the third baseman and pot- potentially the long term first uh, third baseman of the New York Yankees. And I mean, that's that's a dream, right? And and you're looking at what happened and the unfortunate amount of circumstances that happened to the kid after coming out and winning the job at a spring training. It's it's just kind of crazy. You really wouldn't think that that would ever happen to one player in that short amount of time. The I mean, at the end of the day, like if you're looking at silver lining, if you're if you're uh, Brandon Drury you're going to be playing every day in Toronto as a major league baseball player and that's it. And and that's what you need to do. So he's going to have a really good opportunity.
1: How much do you think the extra year of service time factored into this trade?
2: No, oh, it's interesting. I haven't thought about that. That's probably, I mean, I, I still think it was a lot to give up in the first place. So, you know, I don't know how much it really went into it because it's, but if like you're Toronto,
1: if you're Toronto, you're saying, well, we're basically. I mean, it's what the Yankees traded for last year. They only, the Yankees thought they only had two years locked up of jury, but now the Blue Jays have two years locked up of jury.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it better for the Blue Jays. I mean, I still
1: think it, without that, it's a good trade for the Blue Jays. So, but but maybe the Yankees didn't have to give up, jury uh, McKinney plus another long shot prospect. You never I know. I guess.
2: I guess it, it seemed like a, a a pretty pretty big bounty in, as it is right now.
1: Uh, one more thought on Hap. So he took number thirty-four. That was AJ Burnett's number. AJ J. A. to J A. Ooh. So does that mean he's going to be the opposite? Do, 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 do. He is kind of
2: the, he is kind of the opposite. <laughs> honestly, just he is his style. the style, exact opposite of AJ Burnett. Yeah, we can actually count on him. Nice and calm. AJ Burnett was a wild man. Ja, J. 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 His name J. J. J J
1: Hap J Hap is just vanilla. He goes out there. He's solid. You know what you're getting. And AJ was, Burnett goes out there. He might pitch a no hitter. He yeah. might not get out of the first inning.
2: <laughs> he might rip his jersey off and start flipping <laughs> off Jack McDowell style. Uh, might flip it off the crowd. But you know, it, it's it, when we saw what 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 J-Hab did today. It was like it was boring. It, but it was you know what? It was, it, it was I loved it, was it. Boring in the best sense. I loved it because it, it did. It, it it brought you a calmness. Yes. Uh, to to the to the mound, a calmness to the team. We're like, okay. This is a professional. This guy is a pro, and he seems like a really—I don't know—he just kind of the way I, the way I view him, he just seems like an overachiever type guy. Didn't he go to Northwestern? I think he did. I thought I saw that somewhere. He—he um, he looks like a smart guy. He just looks smart. He just looks like one of those guys who would be a good pitcher and who would be uh, someone who can be dependable. He just comes across as a dependable guy.
1: Yeah, and he's no stranger to getting traded. Fourth time he's been traded at the deadline. Yeah. Well. That's a lot. That's a lot. Sonny Gray, let's kick it back to Thursday. We kind of glossed over Sonny Gray's game. He pitched okay. It uh, it was a, a solid start against a weak team at home, so that's always good. We, we know how he does not do well at Yankee Stadium. Uh, he pitched five innings. I think if he didn't take that ground ball off the hand, Boone probably sends him back out there.
2: Yeah, I think they were trying to be again, just precautious to make sure, um, or cautious to make sure that he he didn't.
1: I like precautious. Affect,
2: affect it, but you know, I, I don't. When pitchers do that, you look at it it's like it's so stupid. Don't do that. But instinctually, it's so it's, difficult yeah, to it's not impossible. do that. It's yeah, impossible. to to not stick your hand out there and try to grab a ball. I mean, like I, I understand. Um, but yeah, he looked. He looked like he was in control of the game. I mean, he was. Uh, he didn't give up any any runs. Uh, three hits. He was uh what he struck out five guys so uh, you'd like to see him get rid of those two walks like the walks are still concerning for me uh, for him I th- because that just means he's you know not not around the strike zone and not working ahead of guys and when you see two walks in two in five innings like that's too much um, but yeah you know I, again we're looking for progression and, and I think that's what we're getting we're getting progress from Sonny Gray and uh, I mean he's been pretty pretty good so. And, it, and it, it
1: it couldn't work out better for him in the second half as far as lining up. I mean, he comes out, pitches against the Mets, they're a weak team, then goes against the Royals' worst offensive baseball, and is now going to face Baltimore, who just traded away Manny Machado. So I know the the Orioles just pounded the just Tampa say, pitching they, staff. They put up they a scored, ton of runs. It scored like 37 runs in the last three games against the, the Tampa pitching staff that shut the Yankees down. But still, Baltimore sucks. So it's it's lined up where he can just gain some confidence.
2: Yeah, and and, you know I think the next the next step is just to to see him uh, have that confidence and to get a little deeper into games. And again, I think once we start seeing those walks get cut back down, um, you know we'll see more efficient innings and lower pitch counts and him able to get deeper in the games because it's you know we're starting to see this this uh, this bullpen. I feel like we're we're seeing the bullpen get tired with our, like as like now Chad green and David Robertson, green and Robertson look like they're, they're, they're struggling for sure. And I don't know if that's because of overwork this, you know, how much work they've gotten in the first half, because we just haven't had guys go deep besides Luis Severino.
1: Yeah. You look at just the uh, amount of hard hit balls that green has been giving up recently. It's more hard-hit balls than he's given up all all of last year. He gave up a home run today and then a double in the gap. And it just does not look like Chad Green. He's still an effective pitcher, but he's not the unhittable guy that we've seen in the past. And I don't know if it's because the league is just seeing him more or if it's because he's fatigued. I don't know what the answer is, but more innings from your starting pitching uh, is only a good thing.
2: No doubt, especially late in the season.
1: Um. So, Chasen Shreve on his way to St. Louis. The Yankees uh, acquired Luke Voigt, first baseman, but it's really about the international signing money. They got a million bucks from the Cardinals, and they gave them Chasen and Shreve and Gallegos. So, Shreve is coming off the 25-man roster. They obviously needed to make a move when they added Hap to the roster, and we talked about how Shreve is the odd man out once they added Britain and Gallegos is off the 40 man. So what Cashman has done, not only has he acquired Britain and he's acquired Hap, but he's also made the roster less crowded. So they have more flexibility in the offseason.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, part of the, part of the plan that has to happen. I mean, he's got to make some, some room for, for guys and he's got to be able to, you know, have some assets that are lower in the, um, in the organization that he doesn't have to protect. Uh, because there, you know, the forty man uh, is going to be an issue over the season. It's going to be interesting what what Brian Cashman does to uh, to protect guys from the Rule Five draft. So that's that's a lot of this is part of it. Uh, the international signing pool. They made another deal today. For they sent uh, Double A. Uh, Caleb Frere, the Trenton from the Trenton Thunder, he was on uh, play, had some time in AAA as well. He had good numbers. So I want to say it was a, under a one ERA. Left-handed guy, um, he was definitely keeping left-handed bats at bay in the minor league. So, the White Sox obviously liked him for uh, a, another lefty to, um, to to come up in their organization, and they got another one point five million in signing. Uh, signing money for the international pool, so like that's obviously what Cashman's doing. He's getting this money to. Um, there was uh, people talking about Ozil Rodriguez, who's the uh, from Cuba. He's the number nine in the MLB uh, thirty top prospect list of international players. He's a right-handed pitcher, and he's what sixteen years old. So they're they're trying to get some of these kids that are super young and controllable, and um, and you know shave some of the depth uh, at the at the top of the minor leagues.
1: Yeah, he might have pulled a Danny Almonte.
2: Maybe I mean that's that's young. Man. <laughs> it's young. How that's do you when, think it when is? Sanchez and Andrew Harber signed though.
1: Yes. How do you think it is for for Caleb Frere getting traded for one point five million in signing money? That's like putting a direct dollar amount on your worth. <laughs> it's true. No, it's, it's like true. no other players are coming. It's just we sold you for a million and a half dollars of international money. See you later, kid. I mean, I guess
2: that's a kind of a compliment for a guy I in Double A.
1: It's not like yeah, fifty thousand dollars in international right. signing money.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not like an embarrassing amount of money. I mean, I think you could take that home and say, "Okay, I got sold for a one point five million." Like, all right.
1: Yeah. You know, and uh, so getting back to Shreve, though he was very emotional. Did you very hear? Very emotional. P- I saw yeah. it. Yeah, he was uh, borderline some, uh, crying. There's no crying I'd, in baseball, Chasing.
2: I'd, I'd I'd say there there was uh, some moisture coming down the cheek. You know, it was.
1: I get it. Was, it. it was close. It it, it makes you uh, it it humanizes the whole situation because um, to hear like just think about whenever you are moving or starting a new job or. or Breaking up with somebody. I mean, it, these life changes still happen, so it it kind of humanizes the whole process. He's still a major league athlete. He's still making a lot of money, and he's going to be pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals. That is great, but it's it's uprooting his current life. So you know, it makes you it makes you take a step back.
2: It makes you take a step
1: back. The uh, <laughs> I, it makes yeah. me take a step back and say, "Wow, Brian Cashman he actually is traded." Chase and Shreve for something. Well,
2: I mean, you gotta look if you look to see what what he has gotten for guys like Chase and Shreve and um, uh, Chase Headley and Brian Mitchell. It's pretty and uh, Gallegos like he's gotten some pretty decent things in return. Uh, Cashman does a lot of he does he does dumpster diving with the best of them, um, <laughs> but you know he goes out there and he gets the uh, the first baseman who again is organizational depth. In my opinion, like he's a right handed bat. The Yankees probably needed another right handed first baseman that they could have in the minor leagues. He's He Man Choi duplicated. Like they're pretty pretty damn close he- to the He's same Tyler
1: player. Austin. I mean, him and Tyler Austin are gonna meet in the clubhouse and just it's the Spider Man meme.
2: Tyler oh Tyler Austin I think has more pop than uh than Voigt and Voigt's not proved it in the major leagues. I mean, I, I think that's actually giving less credit to Tyler Austin because he has shown power in the major leagues. But this kid hasn't really done much in the majors. I mean, he's he's hit Uh, I think some in the minors,
1: but really hasn't done much. Yeah, I mean, nine home runs in the minors this year for Voight. Whatever. We're spending too much time on a player. To me, he looks like a generic
2: generic Kyle Schwarber. (laughs) (laughs) Very,
1: very poor man's Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, yeah.
2: Super, super poor. (laughs)
1: Um, Tanaka and Sonny Gray are going to go against Baltimore. That lines up the pitching staff for the Red Sox series of Severino, Sabathia, Hap, and Tanaka. And it's already been announced. David Price is going to pitch Sunday night. So it's going to be we Tanaka. We know that doesn't mean anything. Tanaka. Against, but, but why did they announce it nine days in advance? That's <laughs> I don't know. Only, that can only be bad news for David Price. It's Because
2: it's going to change. I, I still don't believe he's going to face the Yankees. I, I agree. But On Sunday a, a week and a
1: half out. We're saying, yeah, David Price is pitching Sunday night baseball against the Yankees, the team that just destroyed him, just Took him, put him in a box. That's what the Yankees did the last time. last two times they faced him. Demoralized him. What's
2: in the box? Yeah. I he's, he's, he's terrible. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I would put money on that he doesn't pitch that game.
1: Uh, okay. Five, friendly $5 wager? Done. I hope he pitches because the
2: Yankees crush him. I've lost so many bets this year. I'm not on a good streak. <laughs> I'm, I'm due for a
1: win. Well, good thing gambling's legalized now. You want to give a T-shirt away?
2: Let's give a T-shirt away. We haven't done that in a while, have we? No, we have not. Sometimes we forget to do things. All right. So again, this was for we're, we've been giving away T-shirts for uh, for some you guys reviewing us in iTunes. Uh, that's the best place to do it if you listen to us on an iPhone. Um, please go to or any Apple product, but that's where most of the reviews are. So if you, if you can take some time to go in there and give us a five-star review, give us a, you know, something witty, give us some kind of a comment in there and we'll pick one um, next Sunday. We'll try to do this every Sunday for a t-shirt. But again, this is the best way. If you guys want to support us and and help the, uh, help the show out, get us, uh, you know, even higher in iTunes so more people can see it. That is the best way to say, uh to so say hi to us say thank you and that this is the this is uh, how um you know we grow as a show it's like the best way literally the best way so this one is the winner for this week um it's ndfb and yankees fan that's the name of his uh, handle it says scott and andrew do a great job and always keep me hype for yankees baseball this show is so good that i even look forward to my train ride on mondays and thursdays i would recommend it to anyone disclaimer Not intended for friends, family, or associates of Chris Carter, Jacoby Ellsbury, Joe Kelly, Chasen Clippard, David Price, Billy Bean, Chase Headley, Craig Kimbrell, Pickles, Alex Rodriguez, (laughs) Shohei Ohtani, (laughs) or the Tampa Bay Devil Rays organization.
1: Pickles? Like pickles in general? or Dill or
2: sweet? Are you a sweet pickle or a dill pickle guy? Kosher dill. Oh, I'm a thousand percent sweet pickles.
1: All right. Well, yin and yang, buddy. All right, so DM us at Yankees Podcast or on Facebook or wherever, and we will get you your T-shirt. And like Scott said, rate and review the podcast, and you might win a T-shirt down the line. First mailbag question is from Vinny Lula. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Andujar not playing both ends of the doubleheader. He would have been playing three games in two days, bookended by two days off. The rainout Friday and Monday scheduled. And a week removed from the All-Star break. I know he was a little banged up earlier in the week. Is there is there, something nagging, is there a nagging injury involved, or is Boone only obsessed with resting 23-year-olds? And then he says, I'll add that Glaber and Hicks are now sitting in the game we need to win, while Neil Walker, Tyler Wade, and Shane Robinson all start both ends. Are these guys really all fragile, or is Boone overly protective? So yeah. a lot of people were bitching about Boone's lineup decisions. The fact that uh-huh. Wade and Robinson both played both games. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't like it at all.
2: I didn't like it one bit. Uh, the fact that, that Glaber and, uh, and who are not, are not able to play both games, I don't get that. I mean, these guys are, are young dudes that are, are able to go out there and play these games, these doubleheaders. You can't just treat these doubleheaders like one guy gets a day off every single time. You just can't. With the amount that there are now, you have to treat them like regular games. And when you have very young guys, 23 years old, early 20s, no, you play them. They should play. I, I didn't. I didn't like it,
1: especially Mondays an off day. Like, yeah. like it's not like you're playing twenty twenty straight days. You have an off day coming up. They can play two games. Glaber Torres can go out there and play two games at second base. We're not asking him to catch back to back games. Right.
2: Yeah. No. I. I think it's absolutely uh, him being overly overly protective or overly cautious for whatever reason. I don't really even know the reason, honestly. Like, it's protecting them from injury. I, I mean. It's, it's so hard to say that, you know, it's so hard to say what is actually protecting them from injury because a lot of the time these guys get in better shape when they play more and that baseball players play so many damn games that they, they condition themselves to play this many games. So the more that they play, it's it's sometimes, especially for position players, to me, like the way I look at that, I, I think it's just, you know, having them get used to it more. It's 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 conditioning their body to play a lot. I mean, that's what they need to be conditioned for. You can't just sit them because it's a, uh, you know. Because it's a doubleheader.
1: Well, is like that it. is that a Boone thing or a Cashman thing or is it a a mutual thing?
2: I'm sure there's a meeting about these these types of things and conversations. I I don't know who it is. I I it's we- to me. I, it doesn't seem like it would be a Boone thing considering you look at what he's uh, you know the changes we've seen in the bullpen with having guys go two consecutive innings consistently. It doesn't seem like he's trying to shy away from playing guys. But I mean, we saw it. You know when you when you don't see Gleyber Torres in there and you don't see Anduar in that second game, uh, in in a game that you know is damn close to one of those that you you just can't lose. It's weird.
1: I also want to talk about the uh, in the game two of the doubleheader in the eighth inning when Romine is coming up or excuse me when uh, Higgy is coming up in a bunt situation. Boone pinch hits with Romine and then has him bunt. So the bunt worked out. It was a beautiful bunt, so beautiful in fact, Romine reached base. But why are you using a bench player and a pinch hitter to just sacrifice him? That does not make that like managing 101. That's not in the book.
2: No, but you want to know what is in the book for managing 101? Is putting your players in position to succeed. And what I think this is, I think this is a very clear and obvious thing and why he did it. I think that that Higgy is not a good bunter and Roman is a good bunter and he needed that that run to or the uh, the runners to move up. So he's going to put the guy in that he has a lot more confidence in, in, in doing that because they need those runners over. Well, shame that's, on that's Higgy.
1: It. Higgy is a career 200 hitter. He, he hits bunt. home runs. He just hits home runs. Yeah, he hits home that, runs. That's all he that's does. It. Okay.
2: Romine, Romine put down a beautiful, It was a unbelievably fantastic bunt. beautiful bunt. If anything, you should be like, Aaron Boone is a friggin' genius oh, come because on. he put Aaron, uh, Romine in there for putting down the most beautiful bunt I've ever seen. He beat it out. Anybody else would have beat it out. Ah, uh, maybe, maybe somebody wouldn't have beat it out. But well, heart and but, hustle, heart and hustle, heart Mr. and hustle Austin wins that. Romine thousand percent gets on that, on that base. You get on that base. I mean, he legitimately couldn't have rolled it better. It yeah. was
1: beautiful. It worked out.
2: I really just think it's, it's, it's a, a a simple matter of one guy is a much better bunter than the other guy. Or if one guy case, he knows is a better bunter and he's unsure as you know of the skills as much of, of, of Higgy. He just hasn't done it in a while.
1: All right. Whatever. Let's move on.
2: Next question. Next question is from Brandon Pl- Plunter. He's uh, at B Plunter1. Uh, Plunt- uh, <laughs> Should the Yankees still search for another arm before the deadline? Focus their search on a bat due to the judge injury, both of the above or none of the
1: above? So have you seen the Yankees are linked to some Chris Archer rumors?
2: Yes, very loosely, but yes.
1: Well, the Yankees are loosely linked to every rumor. Right. But Archer, um, apparently the Rays are asking for top dollar for him just because he is, he has been a number one pitcher in the past and he is signed to a very reasonable contract. Yeah. And I guess they just want no starting pitchers on the roster. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, why do you need them? They've they've completely uh they, they've shut out starting pitching. It's a, give us a, a third
1: note. inning reliever and we'll give you Chris Archer. Chase the Shreve would have been perfect
2: for that. Oh, that would have been. But um I, I you know I I have a hard time believing they're going to go out and make any other splashy deal uh, unless something just comes to across his, uh, Cashman's desk that's too good to uh, to pass up. I, I don't think they're looking for another bat unless it's just like a you know, a, a serviceable guy. You know, it's not going to be a big move. It's not going to be, you know, Andrew McCutcheon or anybody like that, like coming over. I, I just don't see that happening.
1: Well, be- Tuesday is the deadline. So as people are listening to this, tomorrow is the deadline. Um, you never know, Cashman. He could just at three fifty nine p.m. The ninja that Cashman is pull something out of his no, there's no doubt,
2: head. and and that would I think if something is too good to be too good to be passed up for Brian Cashman at the end of a, towards the deadline, like he can do work at that point because he has so many assets, um, so it wouldn't completely shock me. I, I just I'm, you know, when you look around, you're just not seeing anybody who's obvious, and I don't think they're um gonna panic at this moment right now and make a move to 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 bring in an outfielder. I just I don't see that happening unless it's a, a guy in the minor leagues.
1: Um, do you want anything to do with Archer?
2: I mean, I like Chris Archer. I think he's a. I think he's a good player. I think he. um, Yeah, I I would. But again, it depends on the cost.
1: It It seems like the cost is very high right now. The asking cost.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I'd maybe re re reevaluate that in the uh, in the offseason. I I wouldn't. Again, unless there was no other takers and Brian Cashman saw a deal that was too enticing, um, I I I think he's going to pass on that.
1: But the offseason actually might be a better time because right now uh, if you're trading for chris is a better time yeah. if you're trading for chris archer now you are um you're, you're essentially trusting the fact that he's going to turn back into the old chris archer but you might have to pay more in the off season if he proves he's turning back into the old chris archer the rest of the season but at least you know what you're buying
2: yeah, to an extent i mean you know we'll see how much he actually does in the second half too you know especially with their uh with the way that they're Rotation is that what they call it? I don't even know their staff with their the way that they handle their staff. It's just it's interesting how they they're
1: turning baseball on its head. No one knows what to do with the race. Yeah, it's like if you if you you are a manager
2: in Tampa Bay, you have to do something wacky. It's like you, it's part of your job at at some point. You got to change the way people do things, whether it's shifting or changing the Brian Brian Kenny should be the next manager of the Tampa (laughs) Bay race. That would be entertaining. Uh, um but no I, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got another depth uh move uh, as far as like a starter. I would that wouldn't surprise me either.
1: Have you ever seen Kevin Cash and Brian Kenny in the same room because it's kind of Kenny's ideas just managing the race. Yeah. I know. The last mailbag question is from Andrew Owens at Andrew Owens 17 on Twitter. He says is Hicks a top 5 center fielder in Major League Baseball? I think so. He's behind only Trout in on-base percentage and slugging. A good defender with a great arm. Do you think he should be leading off every day and have Guardy hit ninth? So the whole top five thing, um, I, I that may sound high for Hicks, but when you look at it, he is fourth in war for center fielders behind, behind Trout, Kane, Marte. Um, fourth is pretty damn good. I think uh, we're seeing a down... Time in center fielders in Major League Baseball. Trout is on another level. We know Trout's on another level than it's uh, the rest of the guys living in Trout's world. I really am more curious about your opinion on the lineup construction and if you have problems with it.
2: I don't have a problem with it because I love Gardner in the leadoff spot. I, I you know, I think we were both skeptical on having Hicks in the in the leadoff spot in certain area in certain times um, when they're. I get you know, it's, we see him when they're when they're facing a, a lefty most often. And he can go around to the right side, but he's proved that he can do a good job. I mean, yeah, he's we're, we've seen him more this year than I, than we've had. We we you know this is the sample size that I really wanted to see from Aaron Hicks, and I'm I'm very happy with the player that that he seems to be. I I, I think he does go through his streaks. I mean, he just came off of a pretty pretty long um, down streak, uh, but had a really good day today, and is. Again, we we know this. We've said this a thousand times. He's a he's a plus plus defender with a ridiculous arm and a ton of range. So, I am happy with Aaron Hicks if he were a 250 hitter that plays re- great defense and hits, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, like I would be happy with that because I don't think this team needs superstar offensive players at every position. Having a a, a, a tremendous defensive center fielder being strong defensively up the middle is very important. And when you have all these other guys on the team who can hit, then, you know, I think what he gives you is gravy and he's done a good job in the leadoff spot when he's been there.
1: Yeah. I guess, uh, for the, the next couple of weeks while judges out, you might even be able to play. I know Hicks has been batting him in, in the middle of the lineup, but you could play with him in the two hole. If you want to shift Stanton down, shift bird down, shift Torres down or, or play with, um, uh, Move Gleyber Torres up to the two hole because I think Gleyber Torres is like projection yeah. is the no, prototypical number two hitter.
2: I would love to see them move. I, I think this is a great opportunity for for Boone to move Gleyber Torres to that two spot. It really is. And honestly, if he were to, if he were to succeed there when when Judge would come back, I would not have a problem with them leaving him there and uh, moving everybody down a spot because yeah, just if you have a guy there. like yeah, if you have a guy like Gleyber Torres who's you know doing well in the two spot. You're just going to have more ducks on the pond for those big boys, and and I love that. So, you know, and the way the the way that Bird is lining up and the way that he's hitting, you know, theoretically, if everybody's uh, healthy at this point, if you have Glaber Torres in the two spot, you have Judge in the three spot, then you have Bird between him and Stanton or Stack Stanton, and you know, a lot of people don't care about the lefty righty matchup. Um, either way, I think they're 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 fine. You know, three, four, five, having those three guys there, and then Didi or, or Sanchez went healthy. It's so deep at that point. So I think Labor Torres in that two-spot would make a lot of sense, especially
1: now with Judge Injured. Yeah, I agree. All right, that'll do it for mailbag questions. If you guys want to submit questions for next Monday's show, do so at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can tweet us at Yankees Podcast and submit them in the Facebook group. Uh, just search the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook. We have voicemails coming up. This is going to be a fun batch of voicemails because we have the Gary Sanchez stuff, we have the Britain trade, and we have the Hap trade. So, going to be a busy voicemail segment.
2: It's the best when the when the voicemail segment is completely bipolar, and we do yes. this. We do it on Sundays, and we keep them all throughout the week so that everybody, you know, we can we can kind of feel the tone of the week out. And I, I think it works out the best, especially when there's infuriating things happen and great things that happen. <laughs> All
1: right. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday before that big Red Sox series. Believe it or not, George
0: isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep.
2: I must be out before I pick up the phone.
0: Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Trade Gary Sanchez, get a pitcher. Romine should be the full-time catcher. He has a hustle that Gary Sanchez doesn't have. There's no reason for a guy like that to be playing baseball on a team that needs to win a championship this year. I'm done. That's it. Anyone who thinks that run in the first inning was, and do our
1: is a fucking idiot. I've been for Romine. i said Romine's no, no, no hustle,
0: no heart, no effort. He's no a lazy fat sack of shit. Just a pathetic loss again at the house of horrors in Tampa. Gary Sanchez can't be batting below the Mendoza line with his terrible rocking abilities and then not hustling, costing the Yankees the game. The bullpen, where is Tommy Canley? Somebody get that guy out of the minor leagues and send him for I just can't be more frustrated. Dude, Gary, we need you to run. I'm tired of this blue the Bear bumbling down the line bullshit. Get your head out of your grass and run. Aaron Boone lost that game, period. Why the fuck is DD Dee Dee Bunny with John Carl on deck? Of course you're gonna walk in. I wonder what stats fucking told him to do that. Fucking ridiculous. What is the opposite
1: of release? Imprison? Imprison the Kraken. Explain to me. Explain to me. After
0: this performance, after this game, why Gary Sanchez has a starting position on this club. Give me one good reason. Okay? He can't feel this position. He won't bust it out of the box. And he can't hit for shit trade him for a top-end of other rotation starter, along with a prospect or two, and use Romine, worry about catcher in the offseason. I know a lot of guys that can hit 188 and not bust it out of the box. Give me a break. Wow.
1: What a dismal, piss-poor performance that was. I've been backing up Gary Sanchez for the past, the entire season, really, saying, oh, his batting average, you know, we've been hitting into hard luck. That tonight was horrible. Period. Yeah, you're driving that one run. You also did a run
0: scored a pass ball by not out hustling the ball that was rolling down the line. And then with an out to go, you get a ground ball up the middle, Hicks beats it out to camp, the force, and you can't make it to first base. What are you doing? <laughs> guys. I don't know if I've
1: ever seen a more obvious laziness on a professional sports field
0: than what Jerry Sanchez just did tonight. How the hell do you jog to a pass ball and how the fuck do you possibly jog it down the line on the last play of the game? The guy is hitting 180 and he's going to dog it around the field. Are you kidding me? I need
1: the judge to go old school on his ass. I don't want to hear about any closed door meetings, I better hear about them chewing the ass out in front of the rest of the team, in the media. Zero excuse for that pathetic effort. This is Jalen from The ones,
0: and I am so sick and tired of losing to the goddamn Tampa Bay Double Rays. Are you kidding me? In their shitty dome, with their shitty fans in the shittiest state in America, Florida. And we go down there, and we got a catcher that thinks, oh, we're in Florida, I'll just take it easy. Going away, can't come back with the signs right. Jogging down the line. One of my favorite players. So disappointed to see that coming from someone wearing pinstripes. Fuck the Devil race. God damn. Hey guys, Brian, calling here from Arizona, after watching that abomination of a final out, Gary Sanchez, what can be said about this guy, fucking 180, cannot stop baseball behind home plate, just the fundamentals are not there, the hustle is not there, and then to pull that shit with two outs, when you're already behind the Sox, five games, now six. A chance to go ahead, tie, with the ball game, and you're stumbling out of the box. You basically come to a full stop halfway down the first baseline. Absolute fucking joke. Guys, <sighs> I'm at a loss for words.
1: For Gary Sanchez not to run out that ball from home play, when we are literally down five games from first, you cannot do that. You cannot. It's like taking on a hours on the metro trying to get somewhere at five o'clock. You gotta hustle. No matter what, Marvin Mapps, he is one of the Yankees. He's homegrown, all that, everything. But man, he gotta wake up gotta make a run. Let's get it. Come on, let's go. It. Boys, it's Michael in Nashville. And I just don't know what to think about Gary Sanchez right now. The, the lack of hustle is a major problem. I understand that you're going to struggle at the plate. I understand that you're going to make mistakes. But there is no excuse for a lack of hustle. And I can guarantee you that last run out
0: to first base would have never happened with the boss alive because he would have chewed his ass out at the end of the first inning. There was no way in God's birth he would not have run that bag, run that uh, run to the first base had, had the boss been alive because the boss would have absolutely murdered that boy. First off, Andrew and Scott, I love the show, I'm always listening to the podcast. It's great, it's my day going, especially after his late last night. But with Gary's display of just piss poor athleticism, and now he's just being placed on the DL, I just got an update on my phone, they did an MRI after last night's game, and
1: it's interesting, um, but all I have to say is I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, because Boston just keeps winning.
0: And I don't want them in a fucking wild card game against Seattle, in Seattle, or against Oakland. Because I feel like Oakland could get them. Anyway, great show. Keep up the work, guys. And have a good one. Go, Yanks. Yo, so are you fucking Gary Sanchez haters? Fuck you. Because they're going to be the
1: same ones riding his fucking dick when he starts hitting homers again, right? Fuck out of here. Yankee fans, back off your players. Are you fucking
0: dudes that were booing Stang, you to what more talking shit about Sanchez. fuck you. Let's go Yankees! from Yannza. They're going to lose these guys in the rule five Draft anyway, so it's worth it. You can't keep them all, trying to suck to them to a division rival, but Britain should be good. Hey, I saw your tweet to talk about the uh, back Zach Britain trade. I just wanted to give, tell you what I thought. If you want to give me a call back in Canada, uh, my number is 203-231-8282. room to work with some of the guys who aren't pitching too well, and uh, maybe send them down or get rid of them. But with Zach Britton, you can have a great uh, bullpen for relieving starting pitchers, and I just I think it's a good trade. Thank you, bye. I don't freaking understand how Sanchez can play such a lazy-ass fucking game like that, and basically cost the Yankees a game against the Tampa Bay fucking Devil Rays. It's ridiculous! off and you work your fucking ass off like I mean it's fucking ridiculous he's a fucking professional he should be busting it every freaking play no matter what no matter if we're winning or if we're getting beat like 10 freaking nothing yeah baby j Ja. J-A however the hell you say his fucking name but either way Cashman pulled a pretty decent pickup Um, well <laughs> after getting Britton with the way the bullpen's set up right now the guy just to go six innings, because that four-headed freaking beast in the late innings. Seve, what the
1: hell, man? Six nothing the freaking King City Royals, are you kidding me? How the hell are you going to pitch in a wild card game that, you know, the division's fucking out of the question? Gosh, this team needs to pick it up,
0: and Seve, you need to figure this shit out, or you know, if you're going to the DS.